What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode 198. Sean and I jumped right in, and we talked NBA, talked about his nets, and then recapped some of the former series, talked the beginning of the finals, gave out our predictions. Following that, we talked MLB, we went around the league, and we obviously talked about the putrid Yankees. After that, we talked a little golf, then talked about life. And that was pretty much it. Oh, and I gave a UFC corner this week, which is something new. We're trying out new development here. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website. We will have it back up and running soon, SorrySports.com. If you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod, guys. podcast back after another hiatus but tom it's good to talk to you again man how are you i'm doing all right man how are you everything's good dude everything's good did you enjoy your fourth yes it it was a nice long weekend uh played a little golf got out there happy about that how about you it was good man uh weather wasn't great here so had to lay low a little bit but you know saw some fireworks from the apartment and everything and it's weird to think that how much has changed after last year Absolutely, man. Sorry, taking a little sip there. Yeah, my fireworks show was interesting. I go to my friends every year, and his dad goes to Pennsylvania, and he must drop. Hopefully, uh, his wife, my friend's mom, doesn't listen to the podcast, but he must drop at least fifteen grand, no exaggeration, on fireworks every year going to Pennsylvania. It's a legit fireworks show, like a town show. And uh, the last one... The boxes uh, lit on fire, so it was. Uh, I thought we were gonna die for about a second. You don't want to end up in one of those like firework fail compilation videos. No, no, and you know, people are like, oh, "Are you gonna do?" So my friends in the FDNY, and I work in the fire industry too. And I said, "I work on the prevention side. Once, once there's a fire, there's nothing I can do." <laughs> you gotta look at the guy. You gotta look at the firefighter. That's when he comes. That's my right. job, my yeah. job has already failed at that point. Yeah, and then you got to look out for number one, which is you. Yeah, and Michaela, and my brother. Oh, I wasn't was sure saying. she was with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Then, then yeah, then you top three, and that's it. And then get the hell out. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did. It was a, uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting show, but uh, we we made no, like it. no casualties, so we're good. That's a win every year. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad you had a good time. Um, and yeah, it just felt weird, like seeing everybody out, like the South Congress Bridge where they do fireworks down here in Austin. It's it, apparently it was an absolute zoo; like the entire city was out. And obviously, after last year, everybody was just ready to go. Yeah, everything's a zoo, man. Uh, it, it, everything up here is a zoo. Um, I probably said it on the pod before, but New York City is fully back. Um, traffic is like it used to be, so. That's what you mentioned, yeah. No masks around here. I mean, I'm vaccinated, so I'm a little lackadaisical with the mask as well, but hey, that's what I got vaccinated for, right? You and me both, my friend. You and me both. All right, you ready to jump into some NBA playoffs? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. All right, let's talk your Brooklyn Nets quickly first. Um, 
Not the way I wanted them to lose. To be honest, I think they would have ran the table and won the finals had they stayed healthy. But nonetheless, they lost. Um, I think that's karma for you being a bad guy and for Harden's antics. Yeah, but, I still don't think so. Um, listen, the next year you guys will run it back. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was disappointing. You get Game 7 in your building, and even though Harden was clearly compromised, the, the biggest culprit to me in the series was Joe Harris. We, we talked before Game 7 as to whether he was going to play better because role players normally play better at home, and he was just, I mean, he was nothing from Games 3 through 7, and he was really their second-best option, Durant, had a couple inches, man, away from hitting a game-winning three. Yeah. And it if he didn't have me, a size had... 25 foot. Oh, fucking crazy, man. And I had a lot he of He said flashbacks. it himself. Yeah, he did. My big-ass uh, foot. My big-ass. I'll leave it to me with my big-ass foot to be on the line. But I had a lot of flashbacks to me of that LeMayhew home run two years ago against Houston, right? Like, you're, you're going through the motions of having to accept the fact that you're going to lose – it sucks. You start thinking about the off season, and you're thinking about where in the series could it have changed. And then this crazy moment happens, and you're like, "Holy fucking shit! We're we're got overtime. We've got the momentum. Milwaukee has no interest, but the Nets were just gas. KD was gas. Harden and Durant played every single minute of that game, including overtime. And the Nets they didn't have much. Yeah, and the ancillary guys for the Mets for the Mets for the Nets just sucked. All they were terrible. I mean, Griffin yep. Griffin did what he could against Giannis, and he was okay on the offensive end. Um, but aside from that, they just absolutely sucked. Which is going to be very interesting to see how they fill out this roster yeah. uh, this offseason, but we're not going to talk about that now. It was a hard loss, you know, for sure, because I thought they were better than Milwaukee, even compromised. You're hoping that if you can stave off elimination there, that by round three – you're you're going to get Irving back and and Harden's going to continue to get a little bit healthier but it wasn't in the cards it sucked but definitely looking forward to next year and at the time I was thinking well they're going to play Philly or someone's playing Philly and <laughs> the uh, Sixer fans were talking shit for about 24 hours yeah yeah um I mean that's that's a way bigger situation you guys just have to wait the season out they they have a lot more a lot more questions to be answered. Uh, let's talk about the finals, man. What do you think so far? So far, it, it went kind of the way I expected. Phoenix gets game one at home. Chris Paul has a really good game. Giannis, I don't necessarily know if they should have played him. I want to get your thoughts on that. It just felt like inevitable game one at home in Phoenix with after their long layoff, or, or their long layoff, I should say. They were going to be rested and they were going to be ready to go. I didn't have any doubt they were going to win that game. Yeah, I mean, they played a damn near perfect game. I mean, they didn't win by a crazy margin, but it never felt close. They shot 25 for 26 from the free throw line. The missed free throw courtesy of Jay Crowder, who was over in that game from the field, who has already hit a three in this game. I was watching the uh, the beginning of the game before we got on here. Um yeah, and to answer your question about Giannis, if he's not 100% or damn near close to it, the best he's going to be before a full offseason arrest, I think you just throw your hands up at Game 1. They were probably going to lose anyways. Usually the home team wins Game 1, um, unless you have like a you know Lakers in the 2000s situation or something. Um, but... You know, and most likely they had game one at home, but I'm talking about a team that's just an all-time great. 
Um, I think you sit Giannis just to get him healthy. He looked great in the first half, ran out of gas in the second half. Luckily, he didn't hurt himself more. Um, but to look ahead to this game, they've already made a ton of adjustments, and Phoenix is going to have to counter with some more because you have um, Drew Holiday picking up Chris Paul full court, which is what should be done. And on the other side, Drew Holiday again. I, I think he's already got 8 to, to 10 points, and we're about – Halfway through the first quarter, he has been extremely aggressive. Well, that's what they need from him. He floats in and out of games way too much. I mean, you look at Game 7 against Brooklyn. He was You forgot he was even playing up until like the last six minutes of regulation, and then he had a couple of huge shots and was really dictating the tempo. I don't know why he doesn't have that gear all the time. No, and I don't when you trade know. 7 million draft picks and some players for him, he needs to have that gear. He has to all the time because he's so important to how this team plays. When when they play well, you wonder how anybody can beat them. I just want to get your thoughts on this, man. Because I, I was watching some of that game, and I'm thinking to myself, why does it take this team so long to make adjustments in series? You know, they when they lose, they look about as bad as you can. And I'm thinking, why? You know, you're you're jacking up threes with Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. You're, you're just not doing anything that's intelligent. This is a team you should have been game planning for. Every series, they their game one is just inept. Yeah, I, I honestly, that's the coaching. I mean, what else can you say? I don't know if Budenholzer is long for this team. I think he saved his job by beating your Brooklyn Nets for at least another season. Um, and, you know, in years past, you could toss the blame at Giannis because he took bad shots and kind of just ran into that wall but this year you can't you, you kind of got to blame the other guys and the coaches because Giannis is doing what he does in the regular season I, I mean he's probably averaging close to 30 and 12 and he's just absolutely dominating it's just the guys around him are just sucking and the coaching staff is just subpar to be honest I think yeah, Steve I- Nash given the circumstances and given the roster that he had in the conference finals, or whatever, or yeah, semifinal, the yeah. semifinals, excuse me, out coach Budenholzer by a million. Which is really an indictment of, of, of Budenholzer how a first year coach can run circles around you like that. And even and by Steve the way, Nash. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, Giannis is what's he going to be and, and how he looked and he was gassed in the second half. He still finished with 20 and 17. Like that's that goes to show how good he is. But they're not a great free-throw shooting team. And I think when Phoenix plays their best, I think they're just the better team. But Milwaukee has Giannis. Milwaukee has guys like Middleton, who we saw in that Atlanta series, can just take over games yep. and and be a closer and be look like you know one of the top players in this league, even though we all know he's not. Um, what do you think of Middleton? Do you think that we've... We try to give him more props every year. Do you think we don't look at him the way we should, or do you think that his inconsistencies have a, have him appropriately rated in in fans' minds? I think you got it right there. I, I think he is what he is, and that's why we're asking Drew Holiday to step up so much because he's kind of the unknown. I mean, I know he's been around for a while, but he's never been in this situation before, so we're kind of demanding a little bit more from him. We know what we're going to get from Middleton. Middleton can have a 20-point third quarter and then have a 0-point fourth quarter. Yeah, or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. And and I think 
he just fades in and out of games, and sometimes you can forget that he's there. I think the most important player on the floor for for um, the Milwaukee Bucks, like we said, is Drew Holiday, because Middleton's going to give you what he's going to give you, which is great, inconsistent great play, and Giannis is going to give you what he's going to give you. And then on the other side, I think the X, fa- X factor is DeAndre Ayton, and he is, I mean... He's just a perfect center right now, and, and he's incredible, and he's justifying being that number one overall pick. He's the 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 leap he's taken this year has been a quantum leap. Like I mean, obviously, no I would probably take Trey and obviously and Luca over him still, but he's really justifying why he was taken, and it's really convincing me in a in a, in a draft where we don't have a Luca or a Trey Young that Mobley should be number one overall. Yep. And, you know, well, that's and, moving into the offseason, but I, I think he can do a lot of the things that DeAndre Ayton can do. The guy, I mean, first of all, he shoots free throws well. He's got a good mid-range game. He has post moves. He runs the floor. He sets perfect pick and rolls. He's improved his hands tremendously on those Chris Paul dimes that he throws. And he, on the other end, He's a rim protector that doesn't get in foul trouble. I, I've never even seen the guy this year with five fouls. It's crazy. He's a, he's a tremendous player, and, and he is the new generation center because he does everything uh, that you mentioned. I, I do want to say, though, we're talking about him, and this is not to take anything away from him because I don't want to. He's He deserves all the accolades he's getting, but he's also in the perfect spot because he's the third best player on this team. Yep. And that's what a center, in my opinion, in today's league, no matter how great you are, has to be. You Unless you're Anthony Davis player. with LeBron. Sure. Well, in that, he's in that a power case, forward. And, he, and he's a power forward, and he does not like being called a center. So, um, you know, big man, whatever you want to classify these guys as. But Anthony Davis is a rare breed. It, it just shows, though, he's in this perfect team because he's got Chris Paul, who's the ultimate orchestrator of an offense, can pretty much carve defenses apart set Aiton up to be at his best and then you've got Booker who is a bona fide scorer and elite star yeah so he's in the perfect situation I think and if those two guys aren't there or if Chris Paul's not even there I don't know if we're talking about Aiton as anything more than just a really good player on a subpar team but he's in the perfect spot right now yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more because then he's going to take on more of that Carl Anthony Towns role and they're not going to win anything. Right, and the stats that he has in the in the overall game he's he's putting up right now, they're they're not hollow stats. They they actually matter, but that's because he has players around him who all their stats matter too. Whereas you have a Carl Anthony Towns putting up these great numbers, and even Anthony Davis when he was down in New Orleans doesn't really matter because you're just not going to be able to take over games and have the impact on games and how they're decided, like uh, like wings and guards right now. Of course not. Um, so I tweeted out a prediction from us, and, and shout out to our secretary. He replied to the tweet. I said, uh, we'll be recording on Thursday, and he said, I, I bet you guys don't record till Sunday. Uh, middle finger up to the secretary. <laughs> it is Thursday night. This will be up well before midnight, so... A big fuck you. Um, but we all, in that tweet, we also said um, Suns and Six. We agreed upon that. I'm going to stick with that prediction. How about you? Yeah, I'm sticking with it. I don't have any reason to change my mind yet, especially with them up 1-0. 
Yes, sir. I think I think Milwaukee pulls this one out, and they take probably one of two at home, and then you go one one one. I think the Suns get it in Milwaukee in the sixth game. Yeah, I, I definitely see that as a as a distinct possibility. No question. Yeah, man. Um, I guess we'll talk off season when the off season rolls around. There's a ton to talk about. A lot of a lot of unhappy superstars. We have the Olympics. Maybe I don't know. There's now they're not letting fans in, and and there's another um, terrible outbreak where the Olympics are being held. So that that'll be interesting to see. I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that. You want to talk MLB? Uh, I guess we have to talk MLB, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed in the last three four weeks with the with our Yankees. Doesn't seem like it. Um. So first we'll talk about the Trevor Bauer news. Um, this following the spider attack, which he was seemingly at the head of the table um, along with our boy who seems to really need spider attack, Garrett Cole. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Trevor Bauer has some bigger fish to fry and some bigger things to worry about. Um, accusations of abuse um, to a woman... Yeah, sexual uh, assault. Sexual assault. Um, yeah, if listen, I I don't. It's kind of the Deshaun Watson thing. I don't really like to go down this road. If the allegations are true, I think there is some some legal implications, um, as well as a hefty suspension coming down from the MLB, deservedly so. I think he needs to worry a little bit more about the legal side of it and staying out of jail. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really know how to put this, um, but Trevor Bauer, I'm, I'm just going to be blunt with you. I can't really say that I'm, I don't want to say surprised, but I kind of peg him as that kind of guy. I, I don't know. He seems like That's kind a, of an oddball. Uh, well, we, we know that, and he's had a lot of wars on Twitter with fans. I think he had like a 14 or 15-year-old girl that he was, you know, like, fighting with over twitter when he was still a member of the indians or something i it, it, he's he's a weird dude he's a sketchy guy he's obviously incredibly outspoken about just about everything i'm not gonna say that i wasn't surprised i mean it's it, i'm always surprised unfortunately when things like this happen because you just don't expect it to go to the level that the allegations that are being that are being shown to to actually happen that's next level shit um MLB is doing a good job. They immediately put him on the commissioner's exempt list, um, and he they they re-upped another seven days today, where he has to stay away from the Dodgers as they try to figure out what the hell's going on. And his camp is very very strongly refuting these allegations and claims. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But it's it's not what it's it's, it's not a good situation. Baseball has a lot of problems going on right now trying to market their their best players the second coming of babe ruth and all these other things and the sticky stuff and now you throw this in the mix i mean the all-star game is next week and it just doesn't even feel like it matters um baseball's in a world of pain really world of hurt right now um just hope that whatever whatever the sentencing or the ruling is or whatever the findings are that as always justice is carried out yeah well put um Let's talk about our Yankees. Oh, my God. I saw Will Smith this weekend. Um, Gary Sanchez was brought up briefly. I immediately changed the subject. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Smart man. 
He sucks, man. This team sucks. Uh, it, do we even really have to talk about him? It's the same we exact do. thing. I mean, Jameson Tyon, got his name right, pitched a pretty good game recently. Um, Judge and Stanton are, are tearing the cover off the ball when they're playing. LeMay, he Sanchez did have a really, really good streak there, though, when we were recording. He did, and that honestly makes it even worse for me. It's one of those things where it's like, just suck for me, please, so I can just give up. It's those glimmer of hope <laughs> moments. Um, you know, those two guys are tearing the cover off the ball. LeMahieu's, I guess you could say, rounding into his own. I think I, I saw Glaber hit, had one or two hits yesterday, including a big RBI double. Um, but, it, I mean, it's against the Mariners. What does that really mean? Uh, they lost to better teams. They... It's the same, bro. I mean, listen, I'm not going to go back and forth and argue with you about the changes need to be made. No changes are going to be made. This team is constructed as it is, very anal- analytically driven, and the starters are going to start. It's nice to see Luke Voigt off of the IL, and he's hitting the ball pretty well, but they're just, they, they still suck, and they're well, boring. Well, the reason we have to talk about them is because of that. I mean, I'd love to say that nothing changing is a good reason to just not talk about it, but it's this team is – there's so many components of this team and so many players on this team that just embody what this team is, which is consistently inconsistent. They do a couple of things right. You know, this series in Seattle, you win the first two after winning the second game of the doubleheader against the Mets – you're thinking you can sweep Seattle and then head into Houston, and if you can trick yourself into taking two of three there, things and they are, lose things four are nothing good. Today. And then they lose four nothing today and have one hit in nine innings. So mm-hmm. it, it's just the this is the first time that I am legitimately theorizing that the Yankees could be sellers at the trade deadline hmm. and not and not just either standing pat or making small additions or small trades. Who's on the chopping I, block, my friend? I think that you have to be open at this point, man, to basically anybody that's not Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge. I know there's been talk about now's a perfect time to trade Judge. They're not going to trade Judge. And if it's going to happen, it's not going to be in season. Everybody else, to me, I think should be uh, honestly up for grabs, especially guys like Chad Green and and Zach Britton and some of these relievers. Chapman, although his value's gone down of late, but I still think a team would be happy to get him. You may not get what exactly you want for him, but he should be. Can you be pissed? Start. Remember, we traded him already once, <laughs> and we yeah, got a no, haul I, for him. <laughs> right, we won't get that haul for him. I, I won't be pissed I, because, and you know, I'm thinking about since the last time we recorded. Right, they they get whacked by Boston again in a three game set in Fenway. The Mets come in for the first series that is like fully full capacity at the stadium. There's let's go Mets chance going out in, in Yankee Stadium. You lose that second doubleheader or the first doubleheader game in epic proportion, only to be matched by that Angels game with the rain delay last last week. This team is just so bad. And, and so uninspiring. There's no way you can trick yourself into saying that they're going to make go on a run and be a playoff team. And now we have three weeks to the trade deadline where it sounds like Cashman and Steinbrenner, just reading the tea leaves, would be open to making some moves. So to answer your question about the chopping block, I think any reliever that is 
not under team control for the next couple years, four years. Start grooming Lil Isaac to be a closer. Call up a couple of the other kids. Anybody with value that doesn't have an immediate future on this team because seismic changes will occur if they don't make the playoffs, and it looks like this in the middle of the season would be a really good place to start. I couldn't agree with you more, and you know what? I, I Back on this pod a couple weeks ago, I asked for a change, and not really the change I was asking for or expected, but I can't be a hypocrite and, and be pissed about that. So, honestly, a, a fire sale would be a welcome sight for me. In 2016, you know, the Yankees don't have the ready-made minor leaguers and that nucleus to come up like they did in 16. But they do have young, exciting players that you might as well give a shot to because if we know this isn't working, all the major moves like getting rid of Cashman and Boone and anything like that, what happened in the offseason is not going to happen now. But let's get some of these young kids an idea of what the majors are. And let's not make small incremental moves to tell ourselves that this guy that we're bringing in is slightly better than Brett Gardner, who actually cares. There comes a point of reckoning where you have to decide what this team actually is. They did that in 2016, said we're not very good, we're not going to be in the playoffs, so let's, let's sell off some of these older players. You didn't think you'd have to do it with a bunch of guys that are pretty much in their prime, but Glaber Torres is a shell of himself. He has no power. He's been awful. Second baseman probably, right, is, is his future? Oh, not short. absolutely. I don't know who's going to be our shortstop, but it ain't him. Maybe Correa. Maybe Correa, maybe Seager, maybe Story. At time, you know, there's there's opportunities in the off season to figure out who the who the, you really want to bring in. But at this point, I, I just don't see why we're trying to continue to push up a boulder up a mountain. It makes some changes that are going to excite the fan base again. It, because right now, you you said the perfect word before, man. It's boring. It's boring to watch, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that about a team that had this much potential. Yeah, I mean you got to make you got to make changes on the fly, and you know you laid it out last time. They can't really make any positive changes, so they're just going to have to make a uh, complete 180 move here. And these are the changes that have to be made. I think it'll set them up nicely for the future. The trades that the Yankees made in 2016 set them up to be uh, World Series damn near favorites between what 17 through. 2020 so let's set us mm-hmm. let's set ourselves up um you know for for early 2022 and through 26 that, that'd be nice by me uh you want to talk about the better of the new york teams and and tell me how right i was you know what man i wrote in our notes that this team this mets team has the it factor yeah and they they, they really get it done do. in a lot of different ways they do i mean I would love to tell you how right you are. I didn't think they'd be doing it this way if they were doing it, if they were to be proving you right. But this is a fun ass team. I mean, you just watch how they came back. I mean, they beat the hell out of the Yankees in the first game of the series. And then they, that comeback and how much fun they had in, in the first game of the doubleheader. I mean, yeah. that is, there's something going on with this team, man. There really is. Sometimes you just feel it. Um, like you said, the it factor. I do feel it with this Mets team. All their big players are starting to come around and heat up just at the right time. You know about their pitching. Syndergaard might even come back um, at some point this year. Their bullpen's pretty nasty, especially Carrasco's with Lugo back at the end of coming July. back. At, yeah, at, at this team is by far and beyond uh, the favorites in the NL East for me. Um, and that's because... I mean, the Braves have performed so badly. You asked for uh, 
for winners and losers of the of the halfway mark, and I think the Braves are honestly the biggest disappointment. I think nobody matches the Yankees, but the Braves yeah. are certainly up there. Yeah, I mean, we talked the Yankees, there. so we're blue in the face. I just wanted to give somebody outside of the Yankees. I, I don't want to talk about the Yankees anymore. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> right, but they're not. They're just you know from from a common sense standpoint, they are not more disappointing than the Yankees. No, but they no, have no. been very disappointing. And yeah, to the Mets' credit, I mean, you look at this kind of you two different ways right you can look at it from a glass half full standpoint and saying wow they're four games up or whatever it is and they really they have the worst batting average and batting statistics in the entire major leagues and yet they're doing this and then you can look at the glass half full or the glass half empty which is well why aren't they more games ahead you know and and injuries have played a major role in it i think one of the biggest things is you mentioned Syndergaard possibly coming back you mentioned carrasco possibly coming back they've gotten nimmo and mcneil and conforto back I think the biggest thing is they finally have an owner who's willing to spend money, and they're going to be legitimate buyers at the trade deadline. Yeah, they're looking at Frazier out of Pittsburgh, who's been having an incredible year. I think he's right up there for the NL batting title. A um, few other guys to shore up their bullpen. I, they'll absolutely be buyers, and if they want to head up to the Bronx to have a couple meetings, I'll be happy to sit down with them. I think you should. You'd be a really good mediator. And I'll tell you what, sides. there's a guy on that team that's going to be a free agent next year in Conforto. I'd like to see him in pinstripes. That would be wonderful. And unfortunately, we're going to have to, as Yankee fans, get used to the fact that the Mets are very capable now of re-signing their own players. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, all right, so I mentioned my most disappointing outside of the Yankees. You got another team in mind for a disappointment? It was the Braves and kind of the entire NL East. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean the Mets are are forty five and thirty eight, just barely over five hundred. They're under five hundred on the road, and they're they're leading by four games. The other one is the Twins. They are fucking horrible. Yeah, I, I couldn't one agree more. One of the worst more. teams in baseball. Yeah, and, and wait, I gotta go back and listen. Did I say that the Twins were gonna be bad? I am, dude. I'm on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can enjoy yourself. Absolutely. I, Who is made two very good proclamations? And the Indians My, are right there at five hundred. I had them. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know if I had them winning the division, but I had them right oh, there. Oh no, no, no! You had the White Sox. Yes, winning. White Sox are your team. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, the the Twins are terrible. Uh, I mean, th- that's kind of what happens. It's kind of a Yankees thing. That's kind of what happens when all of your returning players suck. Kepler's right. terrible. Soto hasn't been good in a few years. Is Cruz still on that Sano. team? Sano. Excuse me, Sano Soto. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Their pitching is god-awful. Barrios looks like a shell of himself, another guy that the Yankees will probably trade for, and he won't do shit. Um, oh, he feels like the perfect Yankee trade target. And by the way, did you see, I saw this article um, that Sonny Gray, um, he was pitching in an outing. Oh, this is great. I know that this is a cringeworthy name for Yankee fans out there. And uh, I think he had given up four earned runs, and he went into the locker room, stripped down naked, changed, because he said, quote-unquote, he needed a reset, and retired the next nine hitters. How many, like, why didn't you strip down naked after after a season with the Yankees? <laughs> Just once. There would have been, yeah. Listen, whatever, they, whatever the dude's got to do, but I did love that. That's a great story. Um, yeah, the fucking Yankees would trade for, for – I mean, but look at the Twins. I mean, they've got Jay Happ. He's awful. Pineda's been terrible. Their rotation sucks. I picked the White Sox to win the division too, but I thought the Twins would be better than this, and that kind of goes back to when we're talking about these teams, right? Like, 
I did not think in a million years that they would be this bad. I mean, but they're in dead last place. Suck. No, they suck. 15 games under. Yeah, they're talk about sellers. Jeez. A guy we should steal from the Twins is Kepler, another lefty bat. Yeah, get him while his value's down. We've got enough of yeah. our guys go, gone down. Um, and and you know what? They, look for look for Cruz certainly to be dealt to to a contender. If only there was a National League fucking DH, he would be perfect for the Mets. Um, and you know what? Donaldson might be on the move too. Yeah, he's just had trouble staying healthy this year. Well, um, you tell a contender they can move him into third base. Woo. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. All right, let's talk about some positives. I'm tired of talking about negatives. Two <laughs> positives for me this year. Obviously, I think this is probably going to be your positive to the San Francisco Giants. Without question. Who have been incredible. I I still can't figure out how they're doing it. Uh, Gossman, obviously, is a top Cy Young candidate, former Baltimore Oriole. I feel like the Yankees owned him. They did. Um, uh, maybe he's changed something. I don't know. Maybe he's figured out a way to get spider tack on him without getting caught. Um, <laughs> but aside from him pitching really well, um, and uh, I believe Alex Wood's on that team, and he, aside from yesterday, he's had um, some pretty good games. I don't know how the hell they're doing it, but they are. The other bright spot, obviously, I'm going to go with a player here, is the second greatest player of all time. They happen to be on the same team as he happens to be on the same team as the first greatest player of all time, and Mike Trout, and that is Shohei Otani. Um, I mean, I am the kingmaker. Jokic won MVP the year after I donned him um, and gave him my stamp of approval. Is this whole podcast going to be you just talking about how how smart you are? I uh, listen. If there's a bad prediction in there out of me, I'll I'll give it to you. But so far, I uh, I'm killing it, and I picked Otani to win MVP last year. I think he's if he can just stay healthy, he's an absolute lock for it this year. Um, so I am the kingmaker. The word "valuable" has never been used more to describe a player than Otani. How I mean, is anybody more valuable than him? I mean, he's Babe Ruth, except Babe Ruth was a pitcher that eventually became a right fielder. This guy is just doing. He's like, I'm just going to do both at the same time and do them at the highest level possible. He was batting second the other day, and he pitched, I think, seven innings of two-run ball. He batted second, hit a home run. There was a game he let off, and then he, you know, when he's done pitching, he'll slide over into the outfield. It's you've never seen anything like this since since the early 1920s. Like it's just remarkable. There is no player more valuable than what he does, and because he's not just a guy, it would be it would be remarkable if he was a guy that went out and let's say he hit 240 with 15 home runs, and he was a halfway decent reliever that threw to like you know a two something era well that's like the guy on the uh that's like the guy he throws a hundred but he's on cincinnati michael lorenzen right yeah otani is a cy young candidate on the mound and an mvp or you know guy at the plate it's it's stupid um and leave it to baseball to not market him nearly as well as they should um he's he's the best player I've ever seen from just being able to do everything on a diamond. Unfortunately, I got to say Boston is another one of the best surprises. Yeah, I just didn't want to bring him up. I had a feeling you were going to bring him up. By the I way, the other sure. the other great hitting pitcher in uh, Major League Baseball, Jacob DeGrom in 364 this year. 
there was a time where he had more RBIs than runs scored against him. Yeah, he is something. Did you see yesterday he gave up, I think it was two runs. I think he went seven innings and two runs, and his ERA went up like a whole run. Terrible outing like for a, him. To like a one three two. Yeah. Terrible outing. Um, anything else around baseball you have? No. I mean, I, I was thinking maybe do some quick midseason awards. Um, just jumping between the AL and NL. Uh, sure. You have an MVP right now for each. Let's start there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned that already. It's Shohei Otani in the NL and then, or excuse AL. me, in the AL. And, um, NL, I, honestly, I, I want to give it, I really want to give it to DeGrom. Me too. I, I don't think we have a choice. And then, I mean, if you win the, if you win the MVP, I know Verlander won it one year. Did he take home the Cy Young that year as well? I think he only won MVP. That seems like bullshit. Yeah, I think he only won the MVP. Well, but I'm not 100% sure. You'd have to check me on that. I thought it was like, we're going to give you the MVP and we can't give you a Cy Young. Well, honestly, to give you my Cy Young, this might be the lazy way out, but I, obviously Otani and DeGrom are my Cy Youngs as well. Yeah, for NL MVP, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Tatis. Just he's been okay. remarkable. He got hurt a little bit there, but still it's a long season and he's been incredible. He's been so good. And he's cleaned up his defense as well. He's made some insane plays. He's late. always, I mean, obviously the, the great plays are always made, but he's, you know, on those grounders that are right to him, sometimes he'll make a throwing error because he just tries to throw the ball into the, you know, 150 miles an hour into the glove. And now he has cleaned that up. Yeah, he has. Oh, man, he's looked he's looked so good this year. Um and he's, he's even taken another step. I'd love to throw Acuna into the mix, but his team just isn't very good. But then again, maybe it is Acuna because Trout won MVP a million times in a row, and his team sucked. You know what I, don't I mean? Think any, I, don't th- I don't think anybody's not going to give Acuna votes because the Braves suck. Yeah. I mean, Freeman won last year. It would be interesting to see if they could get back-to-back MVPs, but I just don't see it happening because I think Otani's been – I mean, it's unfathomable. It is, yeah. It's no, like Otani's, Brady winning seven Super Bowls. It's just you can't put it into words. If Otani could get MVP and Cy Young, because his MVP, what you could look at just what he's done from the offensive side, and then you could split totally that justify. Between, I mean, yeah. Degrom too. The guy's hitting three sixty four. Yeah, fucking Degrom, man. He's he's the best. We're watching like the next. We're watching the best five year run of a pitcher probably since like Sandy Koufax. Yeah. Not even probably, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're just talking about years of. I mean, how do you? How does every year your ERA is like below two two? It's nuts. Absolutely, man. Speaking of Tom Brady, you ready to? Uh, you ready to talk? Oh, we got to talk. This is your time. We have not talked about this off the air, so uh, this will be the first time getting all your feedback from the match. All right, so we got the John Deere Classic going on. Not too many big uh, big hitters in that tournament, so I'm not even going to give you a prediction in that one because if I predict a guy, he probably isn't even playing in it. Uh, people are getting prepared for the final major, that being the Open. Um, I forgot where it's being played this year. Somewhere in Europe, obviously. Um, Thanks. You're welcome. Um, we talked about the U.S. Open, uh, John Rom taking it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, we'll talk about the match. Um, for those who didn't know, didn't watch, didn't care. Um, Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson, the old men against Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. Your boy. Um, fuck him. This was, I think this was match number four or number five. I think it was number five. This was by far, head and shoulders, the worst one. Not even close. And it had nothing to do with the golf played. It had everything to do with, I think Bryson has a terrible personality. No offense to him. Maybe he's a nice guy. And you can't I, say that and then say no offense. You exactly mean to offend him. You don't like him. You're right. You're right. That was kind of a <laughs> cop-out. Bryson, you're welcome on the pod Come to, at him. for us to talk this out. It's just like, dude, you act like a fucking 12-year-old. The things that you were saying on that show were so just, you're whack, dude. Like that's, what were some of the things he was saying? I obviously didn't watch any of it. He was like, oh, if a fake bear comes out of the woods like from you guys, I'm going to be so pissed. And like He was just saying dumb shit like that, like that, like... That like you you know when you're hanging out with your friends and your little brothers around like that's some dumbass shit that your little brother would say and you'd be like dude shut the fuck up. Oh shit yeah no that's no good. And and, and the main issue was was that it was Aaron Rodgers and it was Bryson and Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of shit talk in him don't get me wrong but when you're when you're standing next to Tom Brady who's got seven rings on his finger you can't really say much. That's number one and number two honestly Aaron Rodgers does interesting things in his life. But he's really not that interesting, if you ask me. No, you know he tries. So I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think he's one of those guys who's really not that interesting. So he tries so hard to be interesting, and then Bryson's just a fucking (laughs) cornball. So like the combination of those two on one team, it's like this sucks ass. The only way this honestly would have been interesting is if you teamed up Brady with Brooks. Hmm. That, I, I mean, I think they've got to do that next year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if Brooks and Bryson agree to be in the same. Bryson will not do it. Bryson, no. deep down, is the biggest pussy there is. <laughs> I, just Bryson, love I will fight you any day of the week, bro. I love how you're saying this, but you said earlier no offense to him. I, I, I was holding out hope that he'd come on the pod, but he's not going to come on the pod anyways, so fuck him. Yeah, well, if he's a pussy, he's definitely not going <laughs> to come on a podcast yeah. where, somebody's, where one of the hosts is shit-talking them the entire time. Um, I mean, here's the thing about Rodgers that I've always kind of thought about him as. He's the guy where it's like you have a party, right? And he's kind of the dude just sitting around in the corner, maybe kind of making the rounds, not really bringing much to the table. Then he lingers, and at the end of the night when you're kind of just – chilling and there's maybe just a few people left over and you're sipping you went from you know trying to rage to just sip something nice and he's the guy that out of nowhere is going to like talk about something really provocative or interesting or philosophical over a glass of scotch before you guys go home like that's his that's his personality he's not a guy who's going to be the life of the party and you know who bryson is bryson's the dude at the party that's talking at a volume level that's just like five to ten decibels above everybody else so everybody notices him and he's not talking about anything interesting like you hear him talking and you're like who the fuck is this guy like shut the fuck up and he's the dude at the house party that's like doing crazy shit like jumping off the roof to get everybody's attention and and 
and just going and way too hard. Saying who invited him? Yeah, and then and then eventually some kid that's actually cool, ch- probably me, no big deal. At chirps him, and everybody laughs at it because like I'm the cool kid, you know. That's and, him. And and Tom Brady is whose house it is who got everybody because he is the life of the party. And he's, he's and he's, he's the Gatsby. But yeah, I mean, like the whole part about being cool is that you don't have to try to be cool. No. And yeah. that's exactly what Brady is, and especially this new unfiltered Brady. And to be uh, honest, Phil's a little corny, but, I mean, standing next to Bryson, he's like the fucking Pink Panther. No, he's got an awesome personality. Like, he does. He's got he's to gotta be doing something. When he decides to retire and get off the tour, he's got to do commentary. I he's got to he open up a whole new... He's going to open, but do not, not do it in the traditional, like, yeah, you're going to be the lead analyst on CBS or NBC for golf. Like, no, like, I need you to, like, cross over and have some kind of, like, golf with another kind of. Okay, well, it sounds like. He's too interesting. It sounds, like you're, cool. it sounds like you're throwing out an offer to him. I am not. but if It sounds like, like you're throwing out an offer for him to do it for Sorry Sports. Maybe have a golf podcast. When we have a golf, I listen. I would go head over heels for golf if I got to co-host a show with him. That would obviously be your lane. But um, I'll let yeah. you have it, bro. I'll let you we have could, it. We could open up. We could open up our empire and, and get Phil in here. Sounds good to me. Brady too. Oh my god, fuck yeah! We just got to make sure Simmons and the Ringer don't, don't take him. Yeah, that's... Would be per- I, they, they would have. A, they would have a project for him. Like you could just see it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Him with house. I'll tell you what, he'll get a better parking spot in our office than he would at the at the ring. Um, There's no question about that. <laughs> Especially um, since mine is all the way in Texas, so he, he could just slide down over. True, there. very true. Uh, you got anything else? Not really, dude. Um, one thing that was really cool on Tuesday night, um, went to see Joe Rogan um, do stand-up mm. at this small little venue um uh, he lives in Austin. Here. He lives in Austin, and he does uh, like pop-up shows on Tuesday and Wednesday nights at this small club um, venue. I don't even think you can call it a club, but it was it was it was kind of it was really cool how they did it. Like they don't let you have phones, obviously, because um, they don't want you recording and all that shit. So they take your phone and or they give you like this baggy thing and you put your phone in it and they it's like it's completely locked up and you can't unlock it until the show ends um so for the first time you're just like actually have to talk with other people before the show starts but he brought on a local austin comic to warm up and then this other guy tony hitchcliffe did a did a set and then rogan did like an hour and a half and it was really cool it was like a much more laid back than if you were to like go and see him at like mgm grand or something but uh working on some new stuff new material yeah yeah for sure um and just a cool setting to be in so um tickets popped up friday and group of us were just like yeah let's let's do it 25 bucks no brainer very cool man i'd love i haven't been to a comedy show in the longest time i'd love to go speaking of joe rogan you got any predictions this weekend for some ufc we're going outside our comfort zone here but i have been watching a little bit more UFC of late. First of all, that was a amazing segue. You Thank have you. not skipped a beat. Um, <laughs> I do not because I don't watch any UFC. So this this might as well just be your lane here. Go for it. Yeah, I'm just going to run down the main card for you here, starting at the bottom and working my way up. Um, my favorite fighter, Sugar Shane O'Malley, 
fighting Chris. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Doesn't matter because he doesn't even have a picture on Google. So he's taking a big fat L to the best hands in the UFC, Sugar Shane O'Malley. That's a fact. Um, Irene Alanda against Yana something or another. Um, honestly, I, I read a little bit about this fight. Uh, it, th- I think this is one of their first times fighting a full five-round fight. And I think it's Yana, whatever her name is. I'm going to take Irene. Uh, then we got the heavyweight. <laughs> God damn okay. these names. Greg Hart. Oh, shit, Sean. You know who's fighting in this heavyweight? Oh. Some guy named Tia Taya Tiviasa against Greg Hardy. Oh, my God. Greg Hardy's still doing this? I thought he was only doing it for, like, one or two fights. Yeah, like no, he ago. is. He actually has a uh, seven and three um, with one incompleted fight. One time Pro Bowler, twenty thirteen, by the way. Um, he went to Old Miss. Not a good human being, from from what I've heard. Uh no, that's why he's in the UFC and no longer in the NFL. Yes. Um, yeah, he's fighting. Uh, I'm gonna go with the more experienced fighter here, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> T-A-I, Ty, I guess we will go with. Um, next up in the welterweight battle, this is a co-main card, and then we have the big main event after this. Steven Thompson against Gilbert Burns. I'm going to go with the favorite on this one because I got no idea. Gilbert Burns has really nice traps. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to make a massive impact. And then finally, in the lightweight event, the main event, we have... Dustin Poirier against Conor McGregor. That's right. Dustin where Poirier. You, where are you going here? He won the first one. Uh, Conor McGregor was not ready for the low kicks. I think McGregor's going to be ready this time. I think McGregor's going to take it. And I don't know. I mean, these. I I don't make predictions when it comes to fighting sports about oh this is his last uh, this is his last fight. I think he's going to retire after this one. Because they all seem to come back in some form or fashion, um, especially boxers. But I mean, Floyd was retired for how long? And then you even saw him come back. Didn't McGregor fight. retire like a few years ago and then come back? Yeah, he did. He absolutely yeah. did. Um, I mean, McGregor. Listen, the guy. He he won't be coming back for the money. That that's a fact because he is worth a ton of money. Um, but four hundred million dollars to be exact. Um, it's a nice chunk of change. But, I mean, if he feels like he's out of the spotlight, maybe he'll come back again. Regardless, he is he is um, locked into this fight, and I'm going to go with him. I think, I think he's going to win on a third-round knockout. Ocho Cinco asked him what he thought about this fight, and McGregor said, I'm going to kill that man. So there you go. Hey. You know, I've I've only uh, uh, for all the fights that I've been in, I've only said that when I was angry and I mm. legitimately knew that I was going to win the fight. And I, it's not like I'm a fucking street fighter and I've been in a million, but you know, we've all we've all been around. And oh, hey, yeah. if he's if if somebody's going to come out with a statement like that, uh, <laughs> my money's on him. Yep. Uh, You're going to be watching Saturday? You know what, man? If I'm not out, 
I, I think you got. I think you convinced me. Hey. Between not knowing, between not knowing the names, and then having that as the main <laughs> card, I think that uh, I think I'm sold. Sounds good, man. So don't forget to pay the fifteen dollars a month for Disney Plus, and then buy this pay per view on top of it for I think seventy dollars. Done. <laughs> You're going to go to Giants-Cowboys this year? I was thinking about you, and I was like, oh, I wonder if he'll go. No, probably not. It's – I don't know if I want to go. You know how I am with football. I mean, maybe one day I'll just suck it up and go, but it's like a three-and-a-half-hour drive from here. So I have no have desire to, to go to any football games, bro. I'd Dude, much you rather, and I have talked about it. I'd much rather be on my couch watching the get Jets on the big screen with Red Zone on my computer and yep. relaxing. In the warmth, you you know you know me, man. I mean, we've talked about this every football season. I don't see the appeal now. Part of that is the fact that MetLife Stadium is an absolute shithole, as is the weather up there during most of football season. Not having that problem in Dallas, but it's still a commute. You'd have to embrace. Probably you got to do the whole weekend, right? So get there on like a Friday night. Gotta take Monday off too. Take Monday off. It's a commitment. And if the team, if the Giants lose, you know it sucks because you got asshole Cowboy fans shitting on you. And if the Giants win, you got to deal with all those drunk idiots, um, and then find your way home. And you didn't get to watch any of the other games, so it's a commitment. I don't foresee myself doing that. Um, I believe I will be doing what I always did up there during football season this year, which is sitting my ass on the couch with multiple TVs, watching every game I can. I respect that, and I will be doing the same. Suns are up 10 right now. Whew. Excuse me, they're up 11 at half. All right. Yeah. Five, we got, listen, six might have been a little heavy for us. Yeah, we got to see how the rest of this game goes. But I'll say, and, and even if they go up 2-0, I mean, we saw Milwaukee in that It's net not series. a series until somebody loses at home, right? Always, always is the case. And Milwaukee's been doing this the entire fucking postseason. Outside of that Miami series, that Brooklyn and the the, uh, Atlanta series, you know, they'll get down and then they'll win and they'll find a way to win. I still think this goes six. I think the Bucks are way too good to just get rolled over and die. So yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be talking about it for sure next time we get on the air. Um, It was good talking to you, buddy. Yes, sir. What else have you been up to up there? Uh, watch Mayor of Easttown. Hell of a show. Yeah, that's the um, Kate, Kate Winslet, Winslet vehicle, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, I really enjoyed that one. Aside from that, I haven't really been watching much, aside from sports. Um, what about you, my friend? Yeah, pretty much same. Working and, and doing that. Um, trying to watch. It's It's been very heavy on the sports, but trying to find some documentaries. Um, if you got any ideas or any suggestions that you've watched, uh, I'm all for them. Maybe the secretary has some that he's watched. I don't know. Um, well, Michaela loves documentaries. That's her thing. She's not a big comedy person. Um, okay. I'd have to think. We watched a good one on rats. Um, I don't know if you'd be into that. <laughs> it's her favorite not, documentary. <laughs> not, not, not off the bat. It has not piqued my interest yet. Um, if you want to, I'll, if you want to tell me which one it is, I'll look it it's up. It's on Amazon. That's all I know. Right. Just write rats. I just hope it's called rats. It's probably. I think it is. <laughs> that's the first one I'll recommend to you, just to get you warmed up. Awesome. Well, that sounds 
just fascinating. No offense to Michaela. I'm sure that, <laughs> you know, every, everybody has their thing, but yeah. that's not where I would be going. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to find some documentaries. There's, you know, there's so much out there and I feel like it's been a while since like I've actually found some good ones. So yeah, couldn't agree more show wise. You know me, I suck with shows. Um, yeah, sports and, and just doing life. Same here, man. Same here. Trying to play golf as much as possible. Um, How's the game looking right now? How are you playing? Listen, man, I it's a mental thing for me. I had a bad case of the shanks a couple weeks ago. Um, tried to cure that, but sometimes during the round I get lazy. Um, and that's when I drop my shoulder, start shanking the ball. Um, yep. And then, honestly, it's just a loss of focus around the greens. A lot of two putts turn into three putts just because I'm like, let's get on with it, um, which really raises up the scorecard. Um, I believe that. But, I believe that. You know, for me, it's just it, it's time to get a little more locked in, a little more dialed, um, and uh, I just got to hit the range a little bit more. But honestly, I'm striking the ball well. Aside from that, it's just more it's more mental. It, that's what golf is, dude. Right? Like it's such a war of, of attrition mentally to and focus wise to just stay that locked in. Yeah. So I see even the best ones. You, you, dominate a round or two and then you just completely forget how to play it's a tough game man that's why i'm not doing it i know i i, I don't have what it takes to handle it i i would be i would absolutely drive myself so crazy but when you get down here like i said you know we'll, we'll play a round or two i haven't broken a club in a long time and i'm proud of that i'm very proud of you too like i i would be going through just as probably as many clubs as, as balls because I'd be so pissed. So, yeah, which that's is a very an expensive. expensive I was gonna say, <laughs> wow, man, you must be rich. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it, I'm just really pissed off at myself for not being able to hit this stupid still ball straight. Fuck, very true. All right, All man. Right. Well, I guess we'll be back when we're back. Um, yeah, we got the draft in three weeks. The NBA draft is three weeks from tonight. Yes, and I am going to. Hopefully attempt, I might just take about six hours out of my life just to do a full-on deep dive. Uh, not go full Frenchy on you, but try and get there, um, get close to it. Just to give you guys a real breakdown, I already kind of told you who I want my number one pick to be, although I don't think he will be. Should have buried the lead better there, but uh, hopefully I can really do a deep dive for you guys. So are we talking, we're talking about doing a full... NBA draft extravaganza. Yeah, <laughs> might have to. I'm all for it, man. And we don't even have to bring on a guest. No. We'll just let you steer the ship. Sounds good to me. Awesome. All right, man. Well, we'll be back soon, everybody. Coming up on two hundo. Two away, man. It's yes, exciting. Sir. Yes, sir. Everybody be good. Yes, everybody have a good rest of the week. <laughs>